Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. Been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Wednesday, February 22nd, and today we're lucky enough to have a fantasy guru expert who is willing to pull his head out of the fantasy baseball and hockey clouds to talk some football with us. It's Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> How you doing, Matt? Let's uh, talk some quarterbacks today, huh? Yeah, we are continuing our little mini series here on lessons learned from each position. We talked running backs with Andy yesterday. If you haven't listened to that show, definitely go back and listen to it. A lot of good conversation, a lot of good takeaways. And, you know, obviously running back is a super important position. So you're definitely going to want to dig into that. Uh, But if you're here, do that after the show. Okay, do that after you listen to this quarterback episode, because, Scott, I think in typical years, you know, quarterbacks would have been almost kind of boring to talk about in in this like lessons learned thing because the lesson is hey just get one late and uh you know if you happen to stumble on a big time rushing guy then boom that's great you got the QB1 but this year I and I feel like we touched on this all the time on our recap shows that there did seem to be sort of a like an upper class of quarterback that was distancing itself uh from the late round quarterback model so I'm excited to get into this uh with you today and you actually just wrote a great piece about this for the website uh, in in the middle of January. Your fantasy football exit interviews, uh, the messy quarterback season, is it going to change the market behavior? So I know you've got a lot of thoughts uh, on the position as we head into this. Yeah, I feel like there might be a paradigm shift. Uh, when I wrote that article about five weeks ago, and, and really nothing's really changed. Nothing happened in the playoffs that would have changed anything significantly. Obviously, most of the quarterback seasons were, were done when I did write that article I graded the top 30 quarterbacks off the board in ADP with a, with a green light, a yellow light, or a red light. It's a crude grading system, but a green light means you're happy you picked that player. You got production you were thrilled with. Yellow light was kind of a mixed bag, and a red light was like, oh, my God, you know, this guy wrecked my season, or, you know, I'd never take that guy again. And of the top 30 quarterbacks, I only had eight green lights. I had five yellow lights, and I had 17 red lights. And this goes against the commonly held ethos, which I think was just really solid. It's kind of like when you play blackjack and you have 11, the dealer has a six, you know you're doubling down. Everybody knew, knew that knows that, right? 
I felt like quarterback for fantasy. You just got to the point like, yeah, whatever, you know, to just take a guy when you feel comfortable, yeah. you know, try to take a second tier guy. He'll maybe he'll be a first tier breakout or just wait, you know, take, take, be the last guy to take a quarterback, but do the first one to take a backup, get somebody who can run, you know, we need to quarterbacks been, it's always been the dichotomy of fantasy and reality that in the NFL, the quarterback is everything in fantasy quarterback was the least important position of the four major positions. And while it's never going to be running back, and, and I'm sure that the show that you and Andy did is, is going to be more integral to people getting ready for the 2023 draft season than maybe this show will be, quarterback's becoming more important because it's just not something you can solve by, you know, half-assing your way through it. Oh, okay, whatever. I'll just take one, you know, as late as I want. And if it doesn't work out, I'll pick up the next Cam Newton, who's a rookie who's great. And, you know, I'll win my league and, you know, everybody will envy me. It doesn't work anymore. And a lot of quarterbacks I believed in this year had bad seasons. And I tried to unpack why that happened. And I think I'll, I'll guarantee you one thing. Next year, the ADP collectively of the quarterbacks is going to rise because people yeah. are going to say, uh, no, this isn't good enough anymore to draft quarterback 13 and hope he's quarterback seven or to draft quarterback nine and hope he's in the top five. I'm sick of losing to the Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen show. How do I get in on that? You know, it's anecdotal, but I completely agree with you that this ADP is going to rise with the quarterback positions because I know for me personally, you know, all my good teams were Josh Allen teams, Jalen Hurts teams, stuff like that. I didn't have many Mahomes teams, but it would have been the same case there. And, you know, on the last show with Andy, we went like player by player to, to get a lesson from each guy. We are going to do that, but I do want to stick on this theme of like overall quarterback lessons first. And let's start with sort of that steep cliff here that we're talking about with these guys. Um, the difference between QB1 and QB5 in Yahoo standard scoring was 114 points. The difference between QB5 and QB10 was a mere 24 points. That upper tier of guys, you know, it was Allen, it was Hurts, it was Mahomes. Uh, like those guys made a huge difference for you in, in fantasy. Even obviously, uh, it just we're talking about quarterback four here. You know, that that was a huge difference maker uh, for you in Joe Burrow, which I think is is surprising. We'll talk about him individually here in just a second. But Scott, I also say I also think, too, part of it is and I know talking to like casual fantasy players that, that they'll they'll say this, too, like the old streaming model it's just like a lot of work, you know, and, and and it's also a competitive disadvantage, too, when you think about like, all right, you know, I'm going to play quarterback every single week on the waiver wire. You know, Derek Carr is in a great matchup. I'll, I'll pick him up. Uh, you know, who who's that streamer that's emerging? And hopefully you, you land on a Justin Fields type. That's great. But what if you don't? Uh, then you do have to play quarterback week by week. It's a lot of work. It also puts you at a disadvantage when you are, you know, trying to trying to pick up running backs, trying to pick up wide receivers off the waiver wire as well. It's just one more thing you have to worry about. So I think a lot of people out there will sit back this next year and say, okay, I'm going to take Josh Allen around before where all the analysts are saying to take him, where all the mock drafts are saying to take him a full round of ADP because I can just set it and forget it and not have to worry about it. But is that reacting too much to just maybe the last two seasons, certainly just this last season uh, in 2022, is that being too reactionary or is this like upper class of quarterbacks actually uh, separating itself for, for, for on a permanent basis? No, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that take at all. And I, I'll just put it in general terms. I'm going to be more proactive with my quarterback plan next year. And I think a lot of fantasy managers are going to do that, whether it's, they're trying to get the MVP of the league, a top five quarterback, or they're just trying to draft into somebody they can play every week. And I think it's important to look, we're always talking about the running component, right? 
And you look at the the top nine quarterbacks last year, the only quarterback who had no running component, whether it was he's a proactive scrambler or he just had goal line equity, the only guy in that top nine was was Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins didn't win you anything, despite being yeah. tied to yeah. Justin Jefferson, who's an overlord. And other good pieces, they acquired TJ Hawkinson in the middle of the season. They got a fresh coat of paint in the coaching room. And, and Cousins actually, by the metrics, didn't have a great year. A lot of that was kind of deodorized by the fact that Jefferson is just a god. But um, but I don't I don't think people are having fantasy parades because of Kirk Cousins. So the it was a really bad year for pocket quarterback, right? Aaron Rodgers had what one three touchdown game. I don't think he passed for 300 yards all season. Yeah. Tom Brady had a step back. Right? He was almost the MVP last year. Rodgers was the MVP the previous season. Brady could have won it. He probably lost it in that shutout game against New Orleans on that Sunday night. Fast forward a year later, the Packers seem seemingly can't wait to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. At Tom Brady by choice has left the NFL. I still think he would have been a good fit for San Francisco, but he needed a perfect setup. We don't know if, if Derek Carr can play anymore. So what the first thing I'm going to ask myself is, do I have a quarterback who either, whether he's a, a guy who runs with his hair on fire or a guy who runs at the goal line or a guy who kind of does what Mahomes does, where it's like, okay, you, you give me the 30 yards, I'm going to take it. Obviously, uh, the Super Bowl flipped on one a, a really great run by Mahomes in the tail end of that game against Philadelphia. I need a quarterback who gives me something in that in that part of the game because I don't see any quarterback who has maybe Burrow's a slight exception because Burrow barely passes what I would consider the the low bar for what I what I want a quarterback to do with his legs because his receivers are so good because Chase can be the wide receiver one because Higgins can also be a top ten receiver but I'm going to want a quarterback who gives me a second path to fantasy relevance not just with what he does with his arm so that's that's the first thing I'm asking you what are you giving me at the goal line do you run with your hair on fire do you run resourcefully do you at least get some rushing touchdowns if I don't get any of those boxes checked I'm not going to draft you. Yeah, it's funny when you look back at the top quarterback scoring uh, from 2021, the QB one was Josh Allen. He's the only guy that eclipsed 400 points. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert was two. Tom Brady was three. Mahomes was four. Brady is the outlier there again because he ran for 81 yards. Matthew Stafford was QB five. He ran for 43 yards and um, two couple things there. One. The quarterback scoring was up this year because of guys like Jalen Hurts, because of guys like you know Mahomes even ran a little bit more. And Burrow, like, well, I think he ran for four, he ran five, for five rushing touchdowns this past year. So that was like again a sneaky part of his game. You know, he had 362 points. Yeah, five rushing touchdowns. Two hundred. That's what that's yards. what Dak used to do. Dak doesn't yeah, do that it, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Dak used to give you a handful of rushing touchdowns every year. He's that's totally been out of his game the last couple of seasons. But like my big takeaway from these guys, like like Tom Brady in 2021 is that if you are going to be a pure pocket passer with no rushing component, you have to be in like an outrageously special environment. You have to be in, you know, a Bruce Arians offense like Brady was in 21, where they're going to lead. They're going to push to lead the NFL in pass attempts, 719 pass attempts in 2021, lead the NFL in passing yards. you got to have like, a ridiculous cast of, of wide receivers. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown did participate in the 2021 season. He didn't finish it, but he did participate in it. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is part of the mix. You know, obviously they have Evans and they have Chris Godwin prior to the ACL tear. Like that sort of confluence of events just doesn't come around for pocket passers very often. Uh, so for a guy like Dak Prescott coming into next year, I'm curious to see where he ends up getting drafted because I don't think the, the, 
Cowboys are going to go all out to put a cast like that around Dak Prescott. They have a lot of work to do at the pass catching department. So if a guy doesn't run proactively, yeah, I think that's obviously a big takeaway. But Scott, the the other big kind of take uh, that I had about quarterback, you know, and I'm wondering if we're overreacting or or not reacting enough to what we have seen over the really just especially last year, but for a couple of these guys, you could say the last two years. We talk about the rushing bonus with quarterbacks all the time and, and what that does for you. But I, it's always a talking point, the inherent risk in rushing quarterbacks when it comes to the scouting like world. And, you know, can these guys hold up physically, stuff like that? At least last year, Jalen Hurts finished with the most fantasy points per game, uh, but was third overall because he missed some time and, and was banged up at the end of the year. Lamar Jackson only played 12 games. It's the second year in a row uh, Lamar hasn't finished a season. Obviously, there was some contract weirdness potentially at play there, but it still stands to reason that he did get hurt. It was in the pocket. It wasn't a rushing play, so I know people are going to have thoughts about that. Kyler Murray only played 11 games. Second year in a row, he has he's had big injuries. Uh, Justin Fields. He played 15 games, uh, and you know he even said to us at the Super Bowl he was like exhausted with all of the rushing work. So, if you're gonna put this much emphasis on rushing quarterbacks, are you also then inherently welcoming a risk there? Like, hey, if Murray gets hurt, if he's compromised, or Lamar gets hurt, he gets compromised. It, it, do you lose sort of that top end fantasy juice because of the injury risk? I think what I would like to do is find a quarterback who augments his value through his legs, but it isn't the driver of his value. So that'd probably leave me out on Kyler Murray. I'm really curious to see Hertz is such a dynamic scorer at the goal line. And we know Philadelphia, you know, with the short yardage and that play that they run with that scrum, they run with Hertz that the NFL is probably going to outlaw, but Hertz is always going to be difficult to defend. And the Eagles yeah. should have a strong offensive line next year. I know the Eagles are in the process of being raided the way championship teams are, you know, <laughs> conference championship anyway teams get rated they've lost both of their coordinators and they're going to lose other pieces it's just the price of being good but does hurt score seven touchdowns next year at the ground does he score 11 does you know how much do they scale back the running i have to figure the the bears they're not crazy they, they don't want fields to run as much as he d did last year yeah. it just doesn't make any sense because there was a recklessness to it but so my to me it's the the perfect intersection point is somebody who I expect to have some running component. I, you know, I think what Prescott used to be on the ground, what maybe Burrow is, what Russell Wilson used to be, and see how much he struggled. I, I know Hackett was over his skis as a head coach and everything, but isn't it amazing how Russell Wilson just seemed like he couldn't play football in part because he didn't have that mobility and that escapability element to his game seemed. And, and I realize a lot of things are broken in Denver, and we'll see if Sean Payton can fix it. I know Sean Payton thinks he can fix it, but may maybe he can't. We'll see. It's one of the most interesting questions of 2023. But once Russell Wilson didn't have that component, it's interesting how he just wasn't worth anything for fantasy anymore. And and, and yet you, you look at like what happened, you know, where Seattle gets Geno Smith and, and he ends up having a great season. Again, he augmented his his fantasy value through his legs. He didn't drive his fantasy value that way. So it, it, what it all comes down to, and this is kind of silly to say because he, I feel like he's... You know, the Chiefs won the the, the um, Super Bowl, and you know, Travis Kelsey's like playing that. Oh, we're disrespected, and how dare you? You know, think Patrick Mahomes couldn't <laughs> do it. Nobody, nobody feels that way. Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL. But I wonder, because Allen's so good, and because Hertz is so good, and because there's a little bit of clouding, it's not like if you go into a draft that Mahomes has to be the first quarterback taken. But are we just missing the boat? Should we just take Mahomes because he's the safest guy to take? Because look what he did. He has an MVP season where none of his receivers were great. Kelsey's great, but none of his wide receivers were great. 
And he runs enough that you get the boost, but he doesn't run so much that he's in harm's way. He played well when he was injured. Is the idea, like, especially if you go into a salary cap league where you can just get whoever you want, maybe Mahomes is, and also he's been good for so long that maybe there's a little bit of Mahomes fatigue and that he's not the shiny new toy. He's not the guy who out of nowhere had an MVP season the way Jackson did that one year. Hurts, of course, almost won it this season. There's been guys, Allen has been close to MVP. There's been guys who have threatened the Mahomes crown. But maybe the boring thing to do is just to get Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, I said this on our Super Bowl recap show that I think he'll be my QB one going into next year because, you know, and we'll again, we'll talk about each of these guys individually. I, I think that just what Mahomes, what we know about Mahomes and actually let's just let's just go right into the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks here in the lesson from each guy because Mahomes was quarterback one and it, it makes a lot of sense. My, my, my lesson here for Mahomes was one, not everyone has to quote make someone, you know, that was a big uh, talking point when Tyreek Hill got traded like, oh, is this going to expose Patrick Mahomes or oh, is this going to expose Tyreek Hill? Really, these guys had two of their best seasons apart from each other and we're not going to talk about Tyreek Hill. We'll say that for the wide receiver episode, but with Mahomes, like he was always, it was always kind of obvious to me he was not a product of Tyree Kill. Like that was a, a nonsense talking point. But my second rule for Mahomes is that I'm not sure anybody should actually try to apply too many rules to this particular player because, like you said, he is the face of the NFL, he's a unique case. Um, but I think what makes me so confident about him going forward is. And I don't think any of these other guys could do this, right? Like, I don't think Josh Allen could do this. Jalen Hurts could do it. Joe Burrow, any of these other guys we're talking about here in the top four quarterbacks, the true difference makers from last year. I don't think they could go out there with the cast of, uh, you know, Kadarius, Tony and Sky Moore and MVS and Juju and like put up a QB one season. The fact that I know he can do that and he is that good of a player without rushing for, you know, 160 times or 120 times like some of these other guys like Hurts and Allen, I think that's what makes him such a safe, secure QB1 uh, type of player, at least for me, going into next year. I mostly sign off on that. I, we, we have to say the name Travis Kelsey, though, because yeah. if anything happened to Kelsey, we'd have to reevaluate Mahomes, assuming there isn't some dramatic makeover to the Kansas City receiving room. I, I think there's going to be different people there. And of course, you know, all, we're going to spend all summer. Somebody at some point, somebody's going to talk themselves into Tony or somebody's going to talk themselves into Sky Moore in his second season. Uh, maybe they'll bring Juju back. Maybe they won't. There will be other receivers on on the market. So I, you got to think they're going to do something with it. Obviously, they have to also adjust with Eric Bieniemy leaving, finally getting a job somewhere else. I'm curious to see what happens with him in Washington. But another reason why I think Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, and Burrow are so valuable is that Stacking has become not just for DFS, it's become more of an accepted strategy for seasonal leagues. And it wasn't that hard to have. If you got Kelsey, Kelsey was the harder guy to get. But if you got Kelsey, you probably could have prioritized getting Mahomes also. Allen and Diggs were probably paired on a lot of teams. The nice thing with Hertz is that you can pair him with multiple teammates. It doesn't necessarily have to be one guy. You have three different people you could touch him with. And then you know, Burrow has a couple of different guys. You'd rather have Chase, of course. But you know, T. Higgins is a, is a heck of a football player, too. And, and so that that leads itself to how do I score the most points? How do I try to, you know, a lot of leagues points scored or a, a tiebreaker or there's a, a weekly prize for points. There's a seasonal prize for points. And one thing, these guys can all get dragged as great as they are, as, as much as they do the dragging, 
you know, so, sometimes Mahomes throws the pass to Kelsey and he's got three guys hanging all over him and he, and he takes it in the end zone. Or that all the people who lost their fantasy games because Travis Kelsey had a four-touchdown game on Monday night on like 28 yards receiving. That's the Andy Reid part of it, right? We saw that in the Super Bowl where Mahomes throws three touchdowns and two of them were just Andy Reid design specials, right? Where it wasn't so much Sky Moore did anything special or Tony did anything special, but the design of the play beat the Eagles. Bottom line, and I find this true for any fantasy sport. Uh, I, I draft this way in fantasy baseball, which is going on now. You can draft uh, your fantasy baseball team on Yahoo Sports today. Certainly true in fantasy football. I'm not trying to be a hero with my early picks. I'm trying to really be floor-driven. They all have upsides. Anytime you take a, a vanity quarterback, you're thinking he can be the MVP of the league or the number one quarterback. But Mahomes is always going to have the highest floor because of Again, the style of play because of the the ecosystem or infrastructure. The ecosystem's your word. Infrastructure's my word. They basically mean the same thing <laughs> yeah. uh, in Kansas City. And the fact that he's proven he can do it with, I thought, a very ordinary group of receivers. And I, and I would think your metrics probably came out yep. to the same conclusion. A hundred percent. And this is, I think, the reason that we believe that quarterback ADP is likely going to rise this year, because you just look back at last year and I'm, I'm looking at like overall uh, ADP right now. And 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 this is something that, you know, uh, who who knows, like, right, ADP differences varies by site. We all know that. Um, but last year, like you said, it was it was pretty easy to get. Uh, to get Patrick Mahomes, uh, the site I'm looking at right now has him like the 34th overall player off the board. These are the, some of the names that he went around, you know, like DJ Moore, uh, George Kittle, uh, Travis Etienne, Mike Williams, uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall was a great pick. Keenan Allen, T. Higgins, Kyle Pitts, uh, A.J. Brown, obviously a great player, uh, Michael Pittman. But and I'm not saying these names just to say like, oh, these were bad picks or whatever. Some of them didn't go so well, but you certainly didn't win your league because of any of these other names I just mentioned. But if you had Patrick Holmes, you you had a clear advantage as a quarterback position. And that's what I think like the old talking point with late round quarterback was the replacement value and the guys that you are passing up at wide receiver or passing up at running back. I'm just not so sure that like being able to secure that advantage of the quarterback position isn't actually worth like passing up your wide receiver two as DJ Moore, your wide receiver two as Mike Williams or T Higgins or one of these guys, as much as you might like those players. And just to, to kind of expand on that, Late round quarterback or quarterback on a budget or there's quarterbacks are like the bus system in New York or the train system in New York. You miss one, you get another one in five minutes. The corollary to that was the idea that the person who broke the seal on quarterback was the lemming in your league. The person who said, oh, Tom Brady just had a huge 2007 season. I'm getting him 2008. Peyton Manning just broke the touchdown record. I'm going to get Peyton Manning. Cam Newton is broken football. Michael Vick, whatever. There's been a million. The year Vick had uh, with uh, with Philadelphia, some people were taking him number one overall. And that was always like the lemming in your league. The guy get his prize money, get his entry fee up front because he doesn't know what he's doing. Because you should yeah. never take the first quarterback. That Throw that out the window, man. And, and it, look – it's not so much if you take Mahomes at quarterback one or even if you prefer Allen or Hurts or somebody else, you don't necessarily need them to be quarterback one. You'd like them to be. The idea is that they're going to be in that first tier that separates themselves. I mean, you know, Allen, if anybody who took Josh Allen this year, I'm not going to say he was the wrong answer, even though he might have been outscored by a couple of players. 
the, the bottom line is we have changed. This is a paradigm shift that it used to be the first team, the guy or girl got in your league who wasn't that into fantasy. He was like, oh, okay, NFL. It's all about the quarterback. I'm getting the best quarterback. Yep. And everybody would kind of like snicker to themselves like, okay, you know, fantasy is different. It's, it's, you don't want Peyton Manning in fantasy. You want to you know wait and get somebody who's really good seven rounds, eight rounds later. That, that Throw that out the window, man. You can be a sharp player and prioritize one of these guys. And if it's Patrick Mahomes, I'm totally here for it. I'd argue that the sharpest players, and Scott, I'm not just saying this to call myself sharp because I had a lot of Josh Allen teams, uh, but I'd argue that like it's the reverse, right? It used to be, like you said, the the total joke of your league was the first one to take a quarterback. If you took Josh Allen last year, 21st player off the board, these are the names that were following Josh Allen in ADP. Leonard Fournette, Javante Williams, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, Mark Andrews, Ezekiel Elliott, James Conner, Michael Pittman. Got to go all the way until 30th to get to A.J. Brown, who was a great pick. And again, I'm not saying like, all right, these guys were all bad picks. You know, um, like you should have seen that coming. But there's as much inherent risk with wide receivers and running backs at that area of the draft. Uh, and there's not that much risk with Josh Allen. I think that bleeds into Josh Allen, who's QB2. And I think the the second the lesson for him, uh, for me, the pet this past year is that like being the center of your team's universe, being that elite talent really, really can carry over year to year for these quarterbacks for Allen. Like you said, he was outscored by Mahomes. He was the first quarterback off the board. Who who really cares? Like if you drafted Josh Allen and he got you, you know, 409 points, uh, seven rushing touchdowns, 700 rushing yards, 35 passing touchdowns. Like I wouldn't even say that Josh Allen had that had a great season on balance. There were times where whether it was the supporting cast, whether it was his elbow injury, whether it was sort of his own rocky tendencies as a player. I wouldn't even say he had that great of a season, but you would never know it by looking at the fantasy numbers because he remains that center of the Buffalo uh, Bills universe which i kind of think it would be great if they took a little off his shoulders but for fantasy it's a great thing for him you listed so many bricks in the second round i just built a doghouse man that was so that many was pain- <laughs> so that was many. painful to listen to it was like miss 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 yeah um that was painful i i don't want to relive that again <laughs> the, the great thing about alan and this, this is just gonna line up with what you were saying think of all the things that went wrong right i, I mean we yeah. had this whole gabe davis discussion how good is gabe davis it turns out not anywhere near as much as the pro Gabe Davis lobby wanted you to believe. Dawson Knox had an up and down year. He was a guy you famously every week you benched him. He wouldn't score. Then you'd play him. You got it wrong. It seemed like for like eight weeks in a row. And then he was actually pretty good in the final quarter of the season. But you know, Dawson Knox didn't win anything for anybody. They never found that extra pitch. It was just the dig show. It was the Allen show. They had the coordinator change. Ken Dorsey had an okay year. Obviously they've, they've found a way to lose that Miami game and Dorsey broke his electric because you know when you lose a game, you get a, electronics get to pay the price. So I feel like hey, who has who among us hasn't tossed like a controller, you know, video game controller when they've lost a you know a, a brutal Madden game or some online <laughs> game. I, think, I could definitely tell you I, there's a graveyard of controllers that I've 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 created. Oh, sure. Plus there's that, there's that great video on Twitter of the guy who had the big bet on Philadelphia who like took down the plasma at his Super Bowl party after. Oh, R.I.P. So many so many TVs in the Philadelphia. A lot area. of TVs paid the price of you know uh, R.I.P. Under R.I.P. Philadelphia looked like the right side for about two and a half hours in that game. But Josh Allen had a lot of things go wrong. You could speak of this generally. Oh, this went wrong. This went wrong. This went wrong. This went wrong. And he was quarterback two or quarterback three. He was the green light pick. He was a guy you did not regret taking. Even if he wasn't the perfect pick, he was a plus EV pick. Let's just put it that way. And next year, 
Diggs is still young enough that we're not concerned about him. You get to figure there's going to be another receiver they bring in who's significant. The only question with Allen is at what point do they go from he's your hair on fire, proactive, goal line, run every game like like it's the last game of the season. At what point does Josh Allen or the team say, we got to pull back from that? You're the one guy we can't replace. I thought they were really reckless with it early in the season. They were like beating the snot out of the Rams opening day, and they're calling design runs for Josh Allen in the fourth quarter. They got to get rid of that. That's not a good business model. But the fact that Josh Allen could have I think more things go wrong for him than right for him in 2022. And he still had a plus EV fantasy season that he was a pick that you would make again. And you, again, shield, you, you contextualized it with all the picks around him that you would have regretted making anyway. Um, yeah. This is another reason why I think the paradigm shift is, I mean, somebody could take Josh Allen off the turn next year. I will not bat an eyelash. Same. And it's, the safety of the position. I mean, again, like you said, all those things went wrong for Josh Allen, but he was still so secure, but it's also the, the safety and the ceiling of the player as well. So he had like these guys at quarterback just have such a rare floor uh, ceiling combination. Uh, let's move to QB three here. Jalen hurts. My lesson for him, obviously it could be all about the rushing bonus and yada, yada, yada. But for me, it really is like difference making wide receivers can elevate a player from great to elite. Like I think Jalen hurts was a great fantasy player um, in, in 2021, obviously because of the rushing, especially in the second half of the season, but they get A.J. Brown. They get a true top five wide receiver talent in the NFL type of guy. That elevates not just Jalen Hurts. It elevates the entire ecosystem uh, or infrastructure, whichever you'd like to call it, Scott. That was a big thing you talked about in your exit interview that, like, these guys who are tethered to another great player, they really become that much more appetizing in fantasy. For sure. Yeah, because just any, you know, seven-yard slant to A.J. Brown can go to the house. And any pass that gets in Devontae Smith's hands can go to the house. Dallas Goddard is is a dynamite difference-making tight end, and he's throwing the offensive line. If every quarterback was given truth serum and said, okay, which offense, which, again, which ecosystem do you want to be in? Uh, Philadelphia, probably. They were the best fantasy team this year. Uh, Miles Sanders had all that touchdown uh, deodorant you know, regression from the previous year. We didn't score at all. And you made profits on all their major pass catchers. It was a narrow tree, though. It was really only the three guys. And then Hertz ran like crazy. Can't imagine the offensive line was great. You know, they have just the pieces you want from both sides of the line. They have a great center in Kelsey. Um, what else could you want? Now, this year, we'll, we'll see what happens with the, with the coaching changes. Again, there were some bumps in the road for Buffalo last year, so we'll, we'll see who Philadelphia promotes and, and what Miles Sanders may not come back, although that's the least of their worries because we know the NFL, you can live the committee life in the backfield. Hurts, I don't want to. I don't want to be unfair here. He does get dra- AJ Brown drags him sometimes. Devonta Smith drags him sometimes, and Goddard drags him sometimes. But I thought Hurts got a lot better. Yeah, as just just his decision making was a lot better. His I thought his throwing was he's more decisive. I thought he was more accurate, just more confident. I mean, he's just getting reps. There's nothing like the the NFL. The, no matter what you do in college, the NFL game is obviously it's bigger, stronger, faster. It takes a while to learn what open really means in the NFL and what the shape of that looks like, and just the difference of it, it's. I, I joke that. Ryan Tannehill must have been like weeping watching the playoffs and watching the Super Bowl because you know, he had A.J. Brown at the peak of his powers. And the game plan was always to throw him like six passes or seven passes a week, which never made any sense. And now he gets traded to Philadelphia. And even though Philadelphia is still a pretty run heavy team, and when they had games that were they were in control of, they would run the crap out of the ball in the second half. But still, they prioritize Brown the way an alpha receiver should. We saw it opening day where he just absolutely dunked on the Lions for like two and a half hours. But 
Um, this is a perfect offense, and I don't see, other than guys getting hurt, I don't see what's going to derail it because everybody's at a prime age, right? We ha- we haven't seen, it's scary, Matt, to think we haven't seen the best A.J. Brown season yet. We haven't seen the best Devonta Smith season yet. We haven't seen the best Goddard season yet, which means you might say, well, how could Hurts possibly be better than he was last year? He might be the MVP of the league next year. Yeah. I don't know what the rushing giveback's going to be. And again, they have to figure out different coaching and all that. But Jalen Hurts, we talked about you're, you're getting floor and upside from these guys. He looks about as juicy and as safe of a pick as anybody. Yeah, and we're definitely not like saying by, but we're not saying that like okay, AJ Brown is the only reason that Jalen Hurts had the season. It just he took him from you know one uh, B to one A type of tier situation. And I said many times during the year that I think Jalen Hurts unlocked things in AJ Brown's game that were not there in Tennessee, whether it was like the, the, you know, dunking on guys on go routes in contested situations. I think those were things that AJ Brown always proved he could do, but just wasn't often used uh, in Tennessee. That was the case with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts, the guy like, shoot, he literally gets better every year, Scott. Like he could get, he could take another step uh, in, in 2023. That wouldn't shock anybody based on the fact that he's done it from Alabama to Oklahoma to a year one in the NFL to year two in the NFL to year, you know, year three. Like the, the sky's the limit, I think, for, for Jalen Hurts. I think going forward, the lesson for other quarterbacks is, okay, if you see a guy that, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence, who we're going to talk about later, he's going to get Calvin Ridley next year. I'm not saying that Calvin Ridley is going to be like what A.J. Brown was this year, but these guys that get a new player added to the mix here when they've already proved they can do it. Um, Justin Fields is definitely a candidate to, to have this happen to him in Chicago. Like that's what I'm looking for next year uh, is these guys who get that difference, making wide receiver pass catching talent in some ways. And can that unlock a new ceiling for them in fantasy? And you know, it's interesting about Mahomes, Allen hurts, and we'll get to burrow in a minute. We generally think of quarterback as being the least age sensitive of the four major positions. But look how much the and we haven't talked about Herbert yet. Lawrence, of course, entering his third season. You know, we'll see if they ever do anything with with Trey Lance in San Francisco. You know, Fields mostly through his legs was a good fantasy player last year. Two years ago, Rodgers wins MVP. Brady could have won MVP. Stafford won the championship with the Rams and had a great season with Cooper Cup. And it kind of reinforced, oh yeah, these quarterbacks can play forever into their mid thirties, late thirties. Yeah. Brady's in his forties. And then the year after, it just all these guys in their 30s and late 30s. And then you know, Brady took a step back and everything. And it, it really, I thought Rodgers had a really mediocre season and maybe didn't get enough tax for that to the point they couldn't even beat the Lions in the final week of the season to make the playoffs. Is it a point where we have, is quarterback an age sensitive position now? Because I feel like for years it wasn't. And even, to, yeah, I don't want to be too reactionary here because if we were doing the show 12 months ago. It would have been like, oh, yeah, these old guys are fine. Maybe the old guys aren't fine anymore. Where do you stand on that? I think they are not fine because of the lack of mobility. And I'm not talking about being able to run like 100 times in a year for 600 yards like or 700 yards like a guy like Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields or anything like that. But you definitely watch Rodgers right now. Like I think Rodgers can make all of the throws. Like I, I don't think he's lost arm strength, but I think where he's really lost – like lost his fastball is as a runner, like is, is his ability to create in a pocket. Certainly Brady, like <laughs> dude, that guy didn't want to take any hits last year. You know that like, and Brady was always a guy that would stay in the pocket and like step up, right? Like, and constantly like be blind to pressure. That was not the case in 2022. And Stafford, obviously when the ecosystem went to hell, so did like any chance that he was going to, you know, 
going to pass along with it. I think that's, again, I, I sort of brought bring it back to the point I said earlier about these guys, like the, the pocket statue guys like Brady. If they're not going to bring any juice as a runner, they almost have to be in like flawless situations. I don't think the Bucks were a flawless situation. They're they were probably the best of the three. I'm about to say, but they they certainly had their issues as an ecosystem. The Packers obviously had issues on the offensive line and in the receiver core, and the Rams had issues everywhere. So like these guys who are um, those three players that you just mentioned there, Brady, Rogers, Stafford, like. If everything around them is great, I think that they can be elevated in fantasy along with it. But if they're not, then they're going to, at best, I think, be QB7, like Kirk Cousins, who we'll talk about later, who didn't have a flawless situation. They had offensive line issues. I think he was the most hit quarterback in the NFL. But yeah, to me, if guys are going to be in that, that latter stage of their career... And their mobility, um, not from a rushing standpoint, from a pocket mobility standpoint, is going to be severely compromised. Then I think you need to have everything right around them. And getting everything right around a quarterback at this point is really difficult. When Brady was at his first becoming a very good player and, and then eventually a star, my favorite part of his game was his pocket awareness was that uncanny ability to be in a pocket that was muddy and say, well, I'm just going to take a step over here and it's going to give me the functional space to be able to make the throw I need. And man, I just, I, I just would get goosebumps watching it. He was so yeah. good at it. And, and you talked about how that was a part of Rogers's game and he would actually expand it because he could run Yeah, and, you know, he could pick up those 320 yards. He always, Rogers would like run for 23 yards in a game, but they'd be three runs that would just cripple a defense. You know, they'd, yep. every, they'd be covered to be third and long and he'd run for nine yards, get out of bounds. It's like, Oh God, now we, we they've reset the downs. It's the last thing we need. And you talked to you know, Brady, what did he throw? 799 passes last year, I want to say. Even leading the league in pass attempts wasn't enough to save him for fantasy purposes. And you talked about him not wanting to get hit. Doesn't that kind of sound like Derek Carr, too? Even with yeah. Devontae Adams, who had yeah. a good fantasy season, maybe a very good season, and with Josh Jacobs having a monster season. You know, Andy Barron's called that from way back. I was against Jacobs into this season, and that was one of my worst calls of the year, although there were other ones that would probably rival it. But uh, Derek Carr looked like another guy who just couldn't wait to get the ball out of his hands. He didn't want to get hit. And I, look, I get it. If I took one NFL hit, my life would be changed for the rest of my life. I, you know, <laughs> These guys are gladiators, and I, I'm not saying anybody's soft or anything, but it comes to a point where you just don't want to take that contact anymore and Brady you know he he was so low in the uh, you know the time holding onto the ball and getting rid of it and that wasn't because guys were open that because Tom Brady didn't want to get contact from defenders and I I saw a lot of that in Derek Carr's game now the difference with those two guys is Carr is taking interviews Carr's going to go to the Jets or the Saints or or some maybe the Buccaneers he's going to go to somebody who's going to say, okay, Derek Carr, be a plus quarterback for us and I'm really worried about where he's standing right now and I we didn't mention you talked about you know, these older quarterbacks, and I mentioned him in passing earlier, you know, once Russell Wilson didn't have that element to his game, it's amazing how, how frustrating were they. Matt, when I would go to rewatch the games on Monday, I had to ask, I have to talk every Monday. Do I have the heart? Do I have the stomach to watch these Bronco snaps again? Because I lived through this yesterday. Yeah, nobody would blame crazy. you. Nobody would blame you if you passed I skipped on a that. few weeks. I skipped a few <laughs> weeks on Broncos. I'll admit it. I just couldn't handle it anymore. And not only that, not only that, Matt, as we talked about ad nauseum on the podcast, they were always on standalone games. Yeah. They had an incredible knack for playing overtime games. The only thing worse than a Denver Broncos game was five quarters of a Denver Broncos game. That Colts-Broncos game, I swear, was like a seven-hour miniseries. Like, it was longer than the Michael Jordan documentary. That was a rough – I tried to unsubscribe from the Denver Broncos over and over again. It was a really rough run. 
I can't wait to see what Sean Payton does with that team. We'll have plenty Me of too. time. Me too. We need a back. We need a back, man. I, Sean Payton's got enough nerve, enough cockiness to think he can fix it, but maybe he can. Sean Payton was all over Radio Row, man. I mean, I've never seen I've never seen a head coach, a current active head coach that available for media interviews. So uh, I have a feeling they will be in the spotlight, in the limelight, a lot, uh, almost just maybe as often as they were last year this coming season. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's your gut What's your gut feel just for the Broncos or Wilson or Payton? I mean, because last year, right, the whole story was, hey, the AFC West. Yeah. Devontae Adams is here. They're fun. And Herbert and, you know, first rookie contract, they're fun. And Mahomes is Mahomes. And, you know, uh, uh, Russell Wilson's going to be great in Denver. It's, it's Look at this. This is going to be, we want all these games on standalone. And this is going to be three playoff teams maybe from this division. What are we going to be saying next year about, about the Broncos? It's going to be like, oh, okay. You know, we, we buried Russell Wilson early. Sean Payton is that kind of genius. Or it's like, oh man, nobody can fix this. Or maybe it's somewhere in the middle. But a lot of times somewhere in the middle is the right answer. I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. And I think, you know, last year, Scott, I was one of the, one of the few things I was right about was that I was not really into the Denver Broncos. Like I was not in, I thought the skill position guys were a little overrated. I thought that uh, Russell Wilson was going to have problems transitioning out of Seattle. Both those things were true to a, even in a greater degree than I, I would have imagined. But now I feel like you kind of might get these guys at like a little bit of a discount. Like uh, I, and I do believe so strongly that I don't think Russ is totally cooked. I do think he, much like we just talked about with Rodgers, uh, like that twitchiness in him, like that explosive ability as a, as an athlete has ticked down a little bit um, to your point that quarterback is not like as much of an ageless position as we might have thought, given what Brady did and how long some of these guys played, how long Drew Brees played. Like Wilson's athleticism twitched down a little bit, I think brings a lot out of his game, but I think he's probably salvageable to be like a top 15 type of quarterback and like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. Like he's never going to be what they paid for. He's never going to be worth that contract. But I think that Sean Payton, who is such like a details coach and is going to like the worst thing that Nathaniel Hackett ever did was during training camp in the summer, say like, Oh, the offense is going to be whatever Russell Wilson wants it to be. Like that's you can't you can't do that. You have to at least try to get him on the tracks a little bit. And Sean Payton, who is a I, I tell the story all the time, but there's like stories of him uh, in New Orleans, like literally going to like the eighth yard line or wherever a route depth was about to be what it had to be, and like throw his hat down on the field and be like, if you go past this hat as a wide receiver, like you know, you're, you're, you're going to be punished in whatever type of way. He's that much in on the details in a way that like Russell Wilson's going to be able to get off on like doing his own thing in Sean Payton's offense. So I think that's going to be, again, I, I think they could maybe be like the 15th best offense in the NFL. He could be the 15th best quarterback in the NFL, which is a hell of a lot better than it was last year, but still not quite all the way to the top end of the range of outcomes. And I guess what that probably means, and I agree with everything you said is that, the most important part of the Russell Wilson conversation for next year is, can he be good enough so that I want to draft his receivers? Can he be good enough so that I want to draft yeah. him to their backfield? Can he be good enough that I can trust the Broncos as a fantasy offense? But it's not because I want to land on Russell Wilson. It's because I, I may want to land on somebody who's tied to Russell Wilson. Can he be good enough? Because like, what do we want with the Jets, right? We we know the Jets are not, you know, Patrick Holmes isn't going to the Jets. You know, Josh Allen's right. not going to the Jets. We just want somebody on the Jets 
who can make us feel really good about the skill talent in the Jets because we like those guys. And last year they were burdened by really lousy quarterback play to the point that Mike White for like three weeks was like our savior because we were so <laughs> glad that Zach Wilson wasn't playing or Joe Flacco Words that never playing. should be spoken, but you know, words, words that never yeah, but it be is true again. So we're just hoping that, yeah, okay. Is there anything left with Carr, anything left with Rodgers or whoever, you know, Garoppolo, whoever they end up getting, right? Because they're going to get somebody. And I guess that's where we're at with Russell Wilson, that the upside is gone. The upside is not a word that involves Russell Wilson anymore. It's can he be competent so that the ancillary pieces there can be players we can draft into with some level of confidence? It will all depend on ADP and, and you know, the price for me, which was for sure. way out of whack last year, I think might normalize this year to the point that it will be interesting for these guys that are in this offense. We'll see. Cortland Sutton has been the subject of trade rumors. I think that Judy definitely put some distance between himself and Sutton. So Judy will be an interesting one to talk about for sure. Um, yeah, right. I always get Judy wrong. I, I, I don't know. I never time. I've never timed it right with Judy. I don't well, know. Well, he's been a is. rocky player so far in his career. So mm. I don't <laughs> I don't blame you for that one. Did you how how high on him were you coming out of Alabama? What was your stand? I on thought Judy? he was I, like uh, probably honestly like about the same as it is right now, and about the same as it was heading into last year. That I've never been one of the highest on Judy, but I I think he's like a really. I think he's a. I think he's a little overrated as a route runner, a little bit misunderstood as a player. Where I think he's more of like an inconsistent splash big play threat, you know. And I don't typically want those guys to be number one receivers. I want them to be more like really, really strong number twos. I think that's probably where he is, and I think that's the player he's been at the NFL level. That you know he gets kind of billed as like the, one of the best route runners in the NFL. I think he's inconsistent in that regard, almost similar to like Amari Cooper, another Alabama receiver. I think those are guys are kind of along the same. Uh, timeline there. It's interesting. I, if Judy could become as good as Cooper someday, I'd be happy with that. Sometimes yeah, I wonder same. if maybe Judy's like the poor man's Tyler Lockett, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's why, like, if you look at his splits between like yards per route run against man coverage and zone coverage, that's a lot of like a, a Russell Wilson thing, too. So if he listen, if he could ever become like as good as Tyler Lockett, I think you're totally taking that to the bank. But uh, yeah, Amari Cooper seems like a pretty good uh, comparison and again former Alabama receiver but all right Scott we got to take a quick break we come back we're going to run through the rest of the quarterback list here and our lessons learned from last year professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by Forge FX to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it that's what separates a good welder from a great welder VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, we're back. QB4. 40, we're 45 minutes into the podcast, Scott, and we're just on quarterback four. This is a this is a classic Pianowski Harmon show. Uh, <laughs> it's my fault. My, my no, clock management not... is like worse than Andy Reid's. I get it. I mean, hey, I'm the if I'm supposed to be like uh, I'm supposed to be the guy that in the headset that's like, okay, speed this up, speed this up. That's not. I'm not good at that job either. Uh, I'm just a. I'm just here to call plays. I'm here to just go off vibes. Joe yeah, Burrow. I'm more like Mike Mike McDaniel on against Buffalo, right? Where they they had no idea how to get a play in in 45 seconds. So uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow on 30 seconds. What do you got? Joe Burrow, big vibes guy. That's for sure. Um, the funny thing about Joe Burrow is my lesson for him was obviously I, I think he. He's a guy that showed that quarterbacks can evolve and change their style in two ways. 
he was there was certainly more rushing in 2022 than there was in 2021 because like if you look at his passing stats overall scott 4,600 uh, yards in 2021, 4,475 in 2022, 35 touchdowns last year, 34 touchdowns the year before that. But he was much better in fantasy this year, I think, for two reasons. Yards per attempt, way down. He showed that he could be a guy that worked in as a timing rhythm passer. And as I mentioned, the rushing stuff as well. Five touchdowns, 257 yards. That was a big boost off what he did in 2021. So if my lesson for, for Joe Burrow this year was that I think that it's good to be open to quarterbacks being able to change their style, which we typically don't think of with quarterbacks. I, I want for a proactive pick next year. He's he'll be like the, the B plus a minus tier. He won't be as expensive as the other guys we've mentioned, but he has quarterback one in his range of outcomes. Chase is still on the escalator and maybe their running back room. I mean, I, I, I don't see a plausible case for bringing Mixon back, but who knows, but even if they do, he, he's a compromised player. P. Ryan is just a guy. He's a free agent, too. I think next year they might just steer into, okay, we're just going to throw the ball maybe more proactively or maybe touchdowns through the air will be a bigger percentage of our offense. Draft Joe Burrow next season. This couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's amazing that they haven't lost more out of their coaching staff than they have so far, which is just credit to the infrastructure, Scott. Uh, QB5, Geno Smith. The easy lesson here is just we are so, so bad at rating situations. Um we knew that like Tyler Lockett was good. We knew that DK Metcalf was good. People had hopes for, you know, Rashad Penny before he got hurt. Kenneth Walker, he, he you know, he eventually uh, became the guy there in the backfield. But outside of that, it wasn't just that like, oh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. That's a joke of a quarterback situation. I know my dumbass said that many times on the show. Um, it was that, oh, this is a not an offensive ecosystem to, to, take, to take the drink again. This is not an ecosystem to invest in. Um, meanwhile, and I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Geno here, who I think had a great season and should continue to be the answer at Seattle's quarterback spot for the next couple of years. I think that like Pete Carroll was super vindicated in the offense that he set up there. You know, um, Shane Waldron, I think, was really underrated as a play caller, play designer coming to this year. To me, just the fact that Geno freaking Smith is quarterback five is a credit to Geno and, you know, an indictment on kind of giving up too early on Geno throughout the course of his career. But it also is a credit to Seattle's situation, which I don't think people would have said coming into this season. Yeah, if you got Geno Smith right, even if it wasn't to draft Smith, you would have drafted Metcalf or Lockett, who were really nicely priced and easy profit players for fantasy. So um, I, I totally got this wrong. I, I thought Seattle was going to have a rebuilding season. They were going to win four or five games. They were a playoff team, and they were a very condensed offense too. So, you know, Penny didn't have a lot of relevance because he got hurt early, but then that led to Walker. They do have tight ends they sprinkle the ball to, but for the most part, their bread is buttered for their main two alpha receivers. And um I'm just happy to see Geno Smith. I mean, the way his career started, where he was on a bad Jets team, then he got punched by a teammate. I feel like he had had such an unusual bad run out, and and Mm -hmm. he could have had a much different career the first five, six years if just a couple of normal things had happened for him that didn't happen. So I'm just happy. I mean, he was a second-round pick. I mean, when you're drafted as a quarterback that early, people think you can play. People have some level of expectation on you, and I think he just got unlucky with a lot of this stuff. That said, I'd like to burn everything I wrote about Geno Smith before the season. Now, the question is, what do we do now? Because now he, Geno Smith isn't for free anymore. He's not a waiver wire pickup anymore or final round draft pick and super flex or whatever. And now Lockett and Metcalf are going to be properly priced, I guess. But I still see a condensed tree. I like what Waldron did with this offense. And I would think this is going to be, you know, 
top 12, top 10, top 12 offense next year. And because of the condensed nature of it, somewhere we can draft pretty confidently for fantasy. And you know, it's crazy too, Scott. And I, I, I think for me, the, one of the big reasons that I was so afraid of the Seattle situation was more so drew Locke than Geno Smith, which is also, which is, I'm not letting myself off the hook by saying that it's still stupid because Seattle told you straight in the face all the time during the off season, like, Nope, this is Geno's job. This is Geno's job. And for whatever reason, we just didn't believe it really. But if you look at like his Lord podcast, just pointed this out. If you just, if you look at his stats from 2021, they were good. 68. They were good. Metcalf was was great with him. You should have drafted DK Metcalf. I know I didn't get that one right. And and Lockett, like from a usage standpoint, actually had like a higher target share. Actually, it just he got a little bit more unlucky with the with the touchdowns. But sixty eight point four percent completion rate in twenty twenty one. In he started, he played four games. He started three, five touchdowns to one interception, seven point four yards per attempt. It was the exact same, like seven point five in twenty twenty two. One hundred three passer rating. Like the signs were all there. I think like. You know, to me, it's it's almost just like if you hear the same story over and over again and 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 you misevaluate something and you just tell yourself over and over again that you're right and you just hear the same story, I think you could really end up screwing yourself. And I think that's the big lesson from Gino's uh, season uh, last I'll year. I'll tell you what I got wrong and we can move on. I, I didn't want to accept that the problem there really was Russell Wilson. Yeah. And, you know, they, they weren't that bad. When Wilson got hurt, Gino played pretty well. And I saw it. I watched those games and I picked those games against the spread. And I made fantasy choices related to those games. And yet I made the wrong conclusions all summer. And a big regret of mine because this was the easiest money you could have made in the market. Even if you didn't end up with Smith, you would have had those receivers yeah. at huge profit levels. QB six, Justin Fields. Easy lesson here is just rushing truly does cover up all passing code. sins. Yep, the Konami I mean, code for sure. Could you think of a more disastrous passing offense? Like at times last year, Scott, like when even after they traded for Chase Claypool and he got hurt, Darnell Mooney was hurt. They were legitimately running out Equinemius St. Brown for like a ton, a ton of snaps. And still Justin Fields, he runs for a thousand yards. He finishes his QB six. He's also a really fun red zone player because when you went to Chicago, you never knew if Justin Fields was going to make some horrible throw or was going to be rushed by three guys and turned into a 65-yard touchdown run. Anything was on the table for Fields. But, uh, man, get, let's get this guy some receivers. It's funny how the team did nothing really to help him. And then they felt, I think, kind of forced to, to maybe do something. So they traded a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, which looks like a whole, and, you know an early second-round pick now. Looks I mean, like a it was a 32nd overall pick, essentially a first-round pick. <laughs> essentially a first-round pick. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? And, and you know, we know in the, the way the drafts come out with the receiver classes uh, are so strong. Think of so much of the second-round receiver talent we've seen the last few years. You can get a really good player then. So it, it's just weird that they finally did what they should have done, but they, they made the wrong trade with the wrong pick for the wrong guy. And what are you going to do? But this is a case of how much this field's going to give back next year. We'll see. But he's a dynamic runner, and... At some point, those instincts, you can't take them out of the player, right? Even if they say we want to call less design runs, at some point, Justin Fields is in the pocket, the play breaks down, and he sees real estate. and He's like, hey, I got a 15-yard run. I'm going to take it. I think some of his best runs were scrambles last year. For sure. Totally out of structure, right? And um, exciting player. I I just hope hope the 
the nerve and the you know the joie de vivre isn't knocked out of him because he's still surrounded by a really bad offensive line and just such ordinary skill talent. But uh, he's an awfully fun player. And uh, and next year again, you got to pay for it, right? It's none of this picking him up yeah. or drafting him in the fifteenth round or eleventh round or whenever you got him. Uh, next year you're gonna have to pay something for it. But um, I, I got to figure he still keeps eighty five percent of his rushing production. I, I think so too. Again, the scrambling is is really what makes him an advantage, not necessarily a bunch of design runs. I think the design rushing stuff was like creating an offense on the fly, which they had to do last year. Um, because I think like whatever they were doing the first six weeks, I always come back to that Washington game on Thursday night. Everything before that point just wasn't working. And so they moved much more to using him as a rusher and, and it took to, to obvious great results. But if Fields is gonna take another step, we're gonna need Maybe not an A.J. Brown type of trade, but we're going to need like another pass catcher injected here. We're going to need more offensive line help. The Bears have more money than God this offseason to do that. Uh, they have the potential you know, trade at the number one overall pick to get more resources. So there's certainly a lot of paths for Fields to take a Jalen Hurst or a poor man's Jalen Hurts-esque leap this year. Uh, we just actually, I actually have to see if it plays out that way. Yeah, I hope they can get the trade that's commensurate with what the number one overall pick is worth in a, a league that's desperate for quarterback play, right? We, we've talked about how league-wide it wasn't a great quarterback year. Well, it's a lot of quarterback prospects in the draft. The the Bears have, you know, put down their flag with fields. They're not taking one. So even though they've admitted that, I, I would like to think they could still get a nice package for whatever they trade down to. Yeah, I, I definitely think they can. They, they've got a lot of flexibility there. They just have to hope to be able to coax one of those other teams up. All right, quarterback seven, Kirk Cousins. Not a ton here with Kirk. Um, I mean, this is kind of who Kirk Cousins is every year. Uh, he was QB 11 in 2021, is QB 11 in 2020. I, I My lesson here with him is kind of what we've been saying on the pod is that, like, if you're a pocket passer with no rushing bonus and you don't have everything go right around you, because, again, I think that – you know, Kirk Cousins, the system was a benefit for him moving away from that boomer offense to to Kevin O'Connell was a was a big deal, but it wasn't as big of a deal as some people might have made it out to be. Justin Jefferson having a nuclear season was great, but they didn't have a ton of consistency at the wide receiver two spot. The offensive line was a problem. Like I said, Kirk got hit all the time. This is kind of like the best you can do is a QB seven Kirk Cousins 2022 type of season. Yeah, I tell you that the Vikings win all those games and the only fantasy player you would have been happy to draft into was Justin Jefferson. Everybody else was a net loss. Maybe Cousins was a par, but you didn't win anything from him. Thielen was a letdown. The running backs were letdowns. They got something out of Hawkinson in the second half of the year. But he I was going to say, the their second the their the second year. best offensive player was TJ Hawkinson. He wasn't even on the week one roster. Right. Yeah, you know, Osborne wasn't consistent enough, although he'll be an interesting player to draft next year. We're at the point now where Cousins is relevant to us because we care about Jefferson and we care about the other guys in this offense, but he's not a destination player on his own. No, certainly not. Uh, a guy who might be a destination player going forward uh, certainly looks the part. QB8 Trevor Lawrence. Easy lesson here, Scott. Coaching matters a lot. Coaching matters a lot. Uh, not only do I think like, Doug Peterson wasn't just good because he wasn't Urban Meyer, which like anybody, like Scott Pienowski could have been good as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars because he's not Urban Meyer. But Doug Peterson, you know, no offense, Scott, slightly better uh, head football coach, play caller than you. Um, he, he was able to actually elevate things to a greater degree than just like being not Urban Meyer. So to me, it's just, hey, Trevor Lawrence, we're, we're still deciding whether he was the generational quarterback, best prospect since Andrew Luck, you know, that type of quarterback prospect, whether he actually plays out to being that guy. But 
very good player. We just didn't see it in his rookie year because of the coaching mess. Yeah, for sure. Going from uh, one of the worst coaches of modern day, we don't, eventually people are going to do the top 10 list of the, of the top 10 worst NFL head coaches. And Urban Meyer might end up being number one on that list. He's just a, a total be. miss for so many different reasons. It's bad enough just to get the, the X's and O's wrong. But I mean, he was such a personality problem there. So nobody needs any more debate on that. What's fascinating to me about this team is that they imported all of their pass catchers, right? I mean, they yep. went out and they get Ingram and Peterson has had success involving the tight ends. You had to wait for Ingram to develop, but he was a really diff uh, important difference maker in the second half of the year. People thought, oh, isn't that cute? They gave all that money to Christian Kirk. They gave all that money to Zay Jones. Those guys were profit players <laughs> Good, too. yeah. This was a really, I talked about the Eagles being the best fantasy team and they were. The Jaguars were kind of like a poor man's Eagles in that anything you invested in, you made a profit on your quarterback. You made a profit on ETN once they, they, they decided he was better than Robinson. I, they still don't throw the ball to ETN a lot. I don't really understand that. But ETN was a profit guy. Ingram at tight end is a horrible position for fantasy. Ingram was really good. Kirk and Jay Jones, did you win your league from those guys? No. Did you make a profit? Were they playable? Absolutely. That's five guys. How many teams can say that? It's just a, a very short list. So next year with Ridley coming back, and, and also with Lawrence, he's he kind of fits that sweet spot of he runs enough to make an impact. He doesn't run so much that you're petrified of him. Yeah. He's a destination pick for me next year. Yeah. And again, I think people expected that situation to be really bad for a second year in a row or maybe, and maybe not even like urban Meyer disaster level bad. But again, that comes back to the point of like coaching matters. Right. And, and just like the way that uh, Doug Peterson was able to not just take them from the basement to like 20th, he maybe got them closer to league league, league average, something like that at different times uh, from an offensive standpoint. And that's why all of those guys were profits. And because Trevor Lawrence developed along with it, uh, which is what it's all about. Daniel Jones, QB9, he's kind of the same lesson here. Coaching matters part two, really. Daniel Jones is a guy who'd shown flashes before, never was really consistent, always kind of rocky. I, I don't know where you come down on the whole like Daniel Jones contract stuff, but it definitely is objectively true that uh, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, this like steady hand organization here with the Giants right now, was able to coax the best season out of Daniel Jones by far, despite not having great talent around him. Yeah, co coaching matters. It's true of Jacksonville, too. Coaching and culture matters, right? Just yes. the culture change with the Giants and both teams go to the playoffs. And we always knew Jones was athletic, but the big knock on him was that he took too many sacks. He fumbled too, too much. He had too many negative plays, and he's ironed that out. And he does that, unlike the Jaguars, where we can kind of say you know nice, affectionate things about their skill, talent. Barkley had a good season, but yeah. all of the Giants receivers are playing one to two slots above where they naturally fit. They're obviously going to have to upgrade that. They have a tough choice with Jones because they either have to dramatically overpay him, and that's going to look kind of weird, or they let him go, and then it's like now you're another team that doesn't have anything at quarterback, and you're screwed. I feel like both of those paths are kind of negative EV, but Daniel Jones can play, and he certainly runs aggressively and proactively enough that he's he's kind of got a little bit of that field's part of his game where some of it will be designed, but a lot of it will just be the flow of the game. A play breaks down. He sees a, a gap. He's going to score probably five to seven rushing touchdowns in a season. He could, he could lead the position in rushing yards. That's yeah. how good of a runner he is, man. I just, all I ask you just get him one plus receiver. I, and Dable was the right hire, man. Uh, they're, 
probably going to give some of their wins back. They were a lot like the Vikings where they probably outkicked their metrics by two or three wins. So they could be the same general team next year and, and still maybe just be like seven and 10. What happened? Well, it's like, well, just, just plexiglass principles, what happened, but Daniel Jones is going to get a big contract and he deserves it after last season. Yeah. He's going to be a real test if they're like actually is a quarterback middle class, like from a salary standpoint. We're talking about it from a fantasy standpoint that there, there's definitely a difference between uh, the upper class and the middle class at, at the quarterback position right now in fantasy. But there's really no, from a salary standpoint, no middle class at the quarterback position, except maybe our QB 10 here, our final guy that we're going to talk about, Jared Goff, uh, who is really only in that QB middle class because he signed a big fat extension with the Rams and then got traded to the Detroit Lions. My lesson with Jared Goff is two things. One, got to say it one more time, Scott, trust the ecosystem with these quarterbacks. But two, Jared Goff is not as bad as everyone says. Like, I can't tell you how many times last year, Scott, when like hyping up Amon Ross St. Brown, people were like, yeah, well, LOL, his quarterback is Jared Goff. It's like, bro, we're, we're talking about, like, thank God Mike White is throwing to Garrett Wilson. Like, some of these teams are in such bad shape at quarterback. Goff is definitely a guy that I think at some point you want to upgrade on. The Rams obviously wanted to upgrade on him. I think the Lions will arrive at that conclusion at some point. But he's a solid, like, what, C-plus, B-minus NFL quarterback. And if those guys are in the right spot, you can end up getting really big weeks out of the quarterback for fantasy. Like, he's probably the one guy that I think as a streamer, not like a Justin Fields or a Daniel Jones type guy where I think you could eventually stream them and then just install them as your quarterback one and, and go to work. But like as a pure streamer, he was probably like the best case scenario guy, Jared Goff. And I think, again, that comes back to ecosystem and being slightly underrated as a player. And a big win, if you're like in a super flex format, if he was your second quarterback, something like that. The offensive line was probably better than we thought. The coordinator was probably sharper than we thought. Jamal Williams was just more of a touchdown magnet than we thought. I don't really yeah. know what happened with Jadre Swift. But, and, and, of course, St. Brown, it's always hard to know. When a player is drafted in the middle of the draft, when Brown was, St. Brown was, he has this ballistic end to 2021, just how good is he? Well, he, he very quickly, it was obvious that he was for real. And the Lions became a really fun team. They're one of those teams that they didn't make the playoffs, but I think everybody thought they were probably a playoff-strength team. And so next year, we'll see if they can build on that or not. But Jared Goff, you know, even if he's not a destination for you, is he good enough to prop up the St. Browns of the world or the other pieces in this offense? And the answer is obviously yes. I know this is a long podcast. I know Lord Podcast is probably pulling his beard out about how long we've talked. But I got to ask you one more question before we go out, Okay. The San Francisco offense has all the toys. It's got McCaffrey. It's got Debo. It's got Kittle. It's got Ayuk. We don't know if Brock Purdy, with, with this surgery he's having, you know, maybe he'll play yeah. next year, maybe he won't. Trey Lance is going to be the oldest 23-year-old in the in the NFL. It feels like so long since he's played. They're going to move on from Garoppolo. Just give me where, – where do we go from here? Because we want Kyle Shanahan's offense, his system. Garoppolo was good yeah. when he played last year, and Purdy was good. We have no idea what Trey Lance is. Uh, what are you doing with these guys? I have said that what I wanted was, you know, for like a true 50-50 QB competition. Uh Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, two men enter, one man leaves for the for the top quarterback spot in San Francisco. But the problem is and put that, it on HBO. Put it put it on Hard Knocks. I watch that put, every week. Put that damn thing on HBO. That'd be great. Do you know, not even Hard Knocks. Just make it a standalone series. Purdy or Amazon or, or put it on Yahoo. Put it on Yahoo. We'll do it. We'll have the Matt Harmon, Sam, you know, you're you're in the 
in California. You, you can get down to San Francisco. Were you a San Francisco fan for like 10 minutes? I was a lifelong San Francisco 49ers fan in 2019. That is correct. Right. That's um, right. I, I knew you had it in your back. <laughs> and, and Dalton's a big guy. Uh, Dalton is a big Niners guy, too. Between the two of you, we could cover the cover yeah, the crap we'll, out of this. We'll, we'll see if it's if it's within our budget. Uh, but that's a pretty good pitch right there. Um, it, Toyota, sponsor that. Road trip to San Francisco. Purdy v. Lance. But the problem is our entire pitch here, Scott, might be might be dead no. because Purdy has to, he, we just found out yesterday, has to delay the surgery because of continued inflammation. And it, for a while, it was like, all right, yeah, he'll be ready for training camp. But if he has to keep pushing the surgery off, then like the target might move back to getting closer to like ready for the preseason or ready for week one. So I think, and a lot of these guys, you know, George Kittle's talked about it, like Purdy, I think, earned the right to be the starter. They still all speak pretty highly of Trey Lance, too. I mean, honestly, I think they'll probably they, at this point, like you can't quite give up on Trey yet. And I think it's like you can talk both sides here, right? In some way, I think what folks will say is they can't waste this roster. Or they can't waste this window on an unproven quarterback because they're in a Super Bowl window. Like they could have easily been in the Super Bowl if Brock Purdy didn't, you know, have his elbow fall off on the first damn drive of the of the game. On the other hand, though, didn't we see with Brock Purdy that this team is pretty quarterback proof? Like, shouldn't they be able to throw out a slightly more developed Trey Lance, even if it's a slow burn and still be that good of a team? I don't know. I, I think that they probably run this thing in with Trey Lance and shoot. I will be very interested in drafting Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, whoever it is, as the quarterback for this team because of how good of the setup, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's just it's got the SUV with all the trimmings. It's it's a car you want to drive. I, I think it's it's this system is quarterback proof at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm very uh, tempted. I love your pitch. I love your pitch on the, uh, on the training camp tour there for Dalton and I uh, to go, to go check out this. Maybe, maybe we need you and Dalton to both take snaps and, and we'll see if, you know, if one of you unlocks George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk favors you or Debo Samuel seems to. Ayuk better favor me given all the the credit I've given him this last year. Tell you what, tell you what, Scott, I, I'm, I'm, I, Brock Purdy's got nerve damage in his elbow. I was playing uh, can jam and uh, golf over the weekend at a buddy's bachelor party, and I thought my shoulder was going to fall off. So I am not the I am not the answer uh, because of damage in my shoulder at the quarterback position for the San Francisco 49ers. At least we know it's it's not so quarterback proof that I can do it. Uh, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I would be of no help. Um, so what's my, up my, to one football, <laughs> my one football skill is if you throw a, a ball that's catchable, I'll catch it. But I, I have no speed. I have no, um, yeah, I'm not twitchy. I, I would have done very poorly at the combine. Maybe I've done okay in the Wonderlick, but every physical thing you test me for, I would have. You're a Jason Witten type, catch and fall. Turn around, <laughs> catch, fall. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like a, I'd like to think on a good day, a Troy Brown or a Wayne Corbett, but you there know, you go. Yeah. whatever. Those, if you saw me up against those guys, you'd think they were Jim Brown and you'd think I was like the, the punter. But anyway. All right. Actually, I think not that- a bad kicker. I can kick like a 35-yard field goal. That That I will take pride in. Well, there are definitely some teams that might need to call you then in that case. Yeah, I think Dallas uh, yeah. wants me for extra points next year. Yeah, there so you go. We, we've been talking with the Jones family. I, I right. said, look, just give me half of what Zeke gets and we're, we're good. Oh, <laughs> half of what Zeke gets. Give me half of, give me like 10%. 10%, 10% what Zeke gets. One, yeah, one, yeah. Give me one game check. One Zeke yeah, game one, check. One in. Zeke game check on his upcoming reduced salary. And I'll do give whatever you want. Give me a bowl of Zeke salary. soup. Give me a bowl of the soup. I, I'm in. Shoot. Yeah. Shoot. No kidding. Jerry, All right. I'm here, man. Call me. <laughs> All right, I think that is officially going to do it for us uh, on this podcast. They're cutting off my mic.
Yeah, the, the <laughs> Lord Podcast has officially cut off Scott. Um, but you still want to be able to hear from Scott. So for God's sakes, go follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Pinowski. You can also follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, of course, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. I'll be back next week with Dalton to talk about lessons learned for wide receivers. And maybe, maybe we can stomach talking about tight ends as well. We shall see how I feel about that. Until then, we're out. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.